seeing if I've got an attachment that might make it a bit... Or I can then just chuck on my other thing. Um, I've got a microphone that goes through my phone, but then I won't be able to... Don't, I don't think I'll be then able to hear you. Hi, I'm Steve Joll, a radio host from New Zealand and a 40k superfan. Thanks for tuning into this episode of my podcast series that celebrates this hobby through the people that influence it most, the 40k Game Changers. No, it doesn't look like we're having much luck here, mate. No worries. Um, we'll go with what we got. We're good. Okay, no worries. All right. This week, an advocate for mental health, a top player, coach, and content creator, and the man behind Fit for 40K. That's a hashtag. So it's, it's just going to be 45 minutes of us talking about you. Um, okay, mate, yeah, and I'm, I'm happy for you to go as deep as you want, by the way. I'm, a, I'm an open book. <laughs> All right, good as gold. Before we start, please go like the Facebook page and check out 40kgamechangers.com for the full series of interviews. Also, big thanks to Frontline Gaming who've supported this show since day one. They're the home of Terrain and Mats, of course. Tickets to the biggest events in the world and the best 40k podcasts, obviously. Right, let's get on with the show. In 2012, he was crowned Mr. International Great Britain. He was a bodybuilder and fitness coach and had a modelling career in the 40K universe. He's the man behind Vanguard Tactics, which has gone from zero to 30,000 subscribers on YouTube in three years. In that short time, his name has become one of the most recognisable in the game, especially in the UK. Stephen Box, thank you for being my guest on Game Changers this time. Honestly, thanks so much for that intro. And it's a pleasure, it really is, to be on the show. So thank you so much for having me on. Uh, mate, it's uh, it's been you you was one of the first names that came up, and it's just been one of those things that's making our schedules align and, and you know getting other things out of the way. And uh, but when I Google Stephen Box bodybuilding, I tell you, I quickly get some pictures that show off your confidence. When you were a young guy, you were not a shy young man in front of the camera, were you? It's it's a strange one. Um, yeah. <laughs> I think there's, yeah, um, you, you sort of have this persona, I think, when you're when you're doing that kind of thing. And um, yeah, I mean, I had quite a successful modeling career and then I went into more bodybuilding. But yeah, it was, I've always been quite the introverted person. Um, but I think when you're in front of the camera, you kind of just take on the role of whatever you're being asked to do. And right. I kind of fell into modeling rather than trying to seek it, if that makes sense. So it does. Um, yeah, I took to it quite well yeah isn't it funny that, that quite often when you talk to people who have jobs in front of a camera or a microphone actually outside of that they're very often quite introverted people who just value their alone time and I imagine when you get away from it all your ideal is just to kind of hang out by yourself or with your girlfriend and and do stuff that's just very private yeah I'm exactly that I like a very small group of friends I like to have limited kind of um, sort of time with massive groups of people because I just get quite exhausted by it. Yeah, um, I would say in terms of um, I, I really need to recharge. You know, recharge and um, I do that through literally the this incredible hobby of 40k. I mean, I've got quite yeah. a strange story into the game, um, and really 40k was my saviour at one point in my life because I went through a, a very difficult time, um, and that was yeah. 
kind of why I started 40k. Well, listen, we'll get to that. I really, that, and that's a big focus on, on you know, where we're going to come to. But I would love to, if, we, if we, it's okay, start with the bodybuilding and, and modelling careers that you had, um, because it it seems like you had some success with that quite young, and it kind of took you to some really interesting places around the world. So for a decent chunk of time, it must have been quite fun and exciting. Yeah, so um, I think it started when I was, I mean, I, at the age of, I think, 11, I was on the catwalk for the first time. I was just approached by my school to do it. I was like, okay, cool. This is, you know, when you're 11, you just, yeah, something <laughs> different to do. Yeah. Um, when I was then uh, 16, I flew over to a, a school trip to New York on a business trip to New York, and I went into Abercrombie & Fitch and get approached by... I think the store manager and they were like we want you to model for us and at the age of 16 and you know you're kind of like the envy of your friends you've just gone into the coolest shop ever because this is before Abercrombie and Fitch was a thing in the UK and um you know being asked to model for them was a massive uh, like oh wow this is incredible maybe you know this could be something and then I got involved with the university um you know like fashion um we did like a charity fashion show um, I did that for a couple of times, then found different agents um, that you get introduced to. And then slowly but surely, I was playing volleyball at the time uh, to a very good standard. I you know, represented England as a junior. I was on my performance program at Bath with university, training with the um, GB beach team. And I just fell in love with the gym. You know, I was like, I need to, I'm, I'm a short guy. I'm 5'10 compared to my competitors who are like, you know, 6'10". And um, I needed to jump higher. Um, the way for me to do that was go to the gym, squat, deadlift, bench. And slowly but surely, my actual passion then became more bodybuilding and building muscle. I became fascinated about the entire process, um, using what I'd learned in my degree to then really accelerate my results. Um, and then sort of kind of found myself becoming un. Uh, what's the word, hireable, I suppose, from a fashion model perspective, because I just had more muscle than they required. For, <laughs> yeah, it got uh, too know, big. Being in, yeah, I got too big. Um, but it's funny because then I got into bodybuilding and I was just too small. So I was in this really weird place. Right. Um, and luckily, fitness modeling started to become a thing. And, you know, something like the the, the Mr. International, the Mr. Great Britain competition I won was a a combination of muscle, but um, also you had to look a particular way and you had to be able to wear a suit. It was kind of like an amalgamation of these things I was interested in. Um, and then I sort of started to pursue a lot more fitness modeling, yeah, through different shows. I kind of had a, a career of, I think, six years competing and, you know, finished off, I suppose, my last show I did. And I won the international, uh, the IFBB uh, European event in Liverpool, which was a huge achievement to win that show, uh, to be the European yeah champion. And that was kind of when I, I suppose I retired it from bodybuilding. Yeah, It's it's no surprise you've gone on to be very good at 40K. It feels like pretty much anything you turn your hand to, you go all in and you're good at it. Uh, through Not just through talent, which you have obviously, but through hard work. But it does seem like Say around five years ago, I feel just kind of looking at the the big picture, there was some dissatisfaction with the fitness industry in general from your point of view. And was that kind of the catalyst to looking for something else and getting out? Yeah, so this is um, – I had a fitness business at the time, um, and I had um, a fair few people working for that company. 
And I was very naive and I was trying to build a brand that really had strong core ethics in terms of helping people achieve body confidence, um, whether it is they wanted to get ready for a bodybuilding show or they just wanted to lose weight for a holiday or just fit into their summer wardrobe, right? So whatever kind of their aesthetic goal was, that was kind of what I wanted to help them with. Um, and through that, you obviously help their relationship with food and everything else that goes along with creating a positive change in someone's lifestyle. Um, now, unfortunately, I wasn't really very business savvy at the time. And the few people that I worked with started to take the business in a different direction than I was really comfortable with. They really were outspoken on their social media in a way to kind of rub people up the wrong way at the time right. um, in order to create a reaction out of people. Yeah. Um, and they started to belittle certain populations that I really wasn't comfortable with. And as like a company owner, when you've got a brand that has always been very professional um, in the way that it conducts and interacts with the public and, um, you know, I had some great opportunities. I wrote for some of the fantastic magazines like Flex Magazine and Muscle and Fitness. And, you know, I, I still wanted to be able to do those things. But when you've got other people that are trying to take the brand in a different way, um, in, in the, you know, I didn't have contracts. I didn't have anything set in stone. And um, it, when you're working with your friends as well, it becomes very difficult to have some of those harder conversations. Sure. So unfortunately, I invested heavily into building an app that would allow you to go on the app and you could download a training program. It would either get sent to you by a coach or, um, you know, there would be pre-populated training programs in there with then me describing how to perform each of those exercises in like a 10 second, 30 second or, you know, five minute video, depending on how in depth you wanted that knowledge. You know, and I invested a lot of money in terms of the filming, the editing times, yeah. getting all the software done and, the company got to the, a bit of a boiling point. You know, I, I was probably £30,000 um, in at this stage of, you know, my own money. And um, the, the, the company got to a boiling point where I, what was going on, I couldn't really, you know, uh, I suppose stand for any longer. Yeah. Um, I, I couldn't just sit back and just let this thing happen. And um, for me, it me and my and my best friend Chris, we we were in a in a situation where we weren't happy with what you know the other members of the team were doing, and it just got got to a bit of a boiling point where something had to give, something had to stop, um, and we decided at that point to to split and go our own ways. And the this caused such a huge amount of I think negativity for me, and at this time as well, I wasn't in the best um, relationship with the person I was with. Uh, they were very um, what was the word? I'd say quite obsessed about what they were doing. Right. And unfortunately, again, not being like not putting myself first, I really found myself trying to just rather than tackling the problem head on, I avoided it. And I tried to, you know, instead of being at home to, you know, be in this situation, I was like, I'm going to go to a Warhammer event. And I kind of found myself back in the hobby again because I needed an outlet. I needed something different that wasn't fitness related. Um, so yeah, I, like I said, the company got to a boiling point and someone had to give, we, we went our separate ways in the app because it involved them in terms of they were some of the performers that I regret ever sort of bringing, bringing, uh, getting involved. Um, and I didn't have all the paperwork and everything. And I was just so upset by the whole thing. I just decided to can it. Yeah. 
and obviously I you know lost a huge amount of money moved back in with my parents to uh, try to and they were fantastic to support me through this process um, and I literally had a hundred pound left in my account you know I was heavily in my overdraft as you can probably imagine um, and I had a hundred pound left in my account and I wanted something different I needed something positive and I could either a just sort of wallow in my own pity or um, you know just keep trying to push this failing app basically which, which was never going to succeed at this point um so i thought you know what let's do something completely different the the people that were you know part of the negativity of the business kept telling me that i never knew what i was doing with business i didn't know how to market myself their youtube channel was killing it and i should be you know letting them them take more of a role and they just kind of really put me down a lot um so i thought you know what i will do a youtube channel but i'm not going to do it for fitness i'm going to do it for warhammer because it's a passion that i've just found and actually there's a there's a lack of information on there to really help people um at the time learn the game from a beginner's perspective to somebody that wants to be able to perform to be better you know to to get to a point where they can compete amongst friends or you know i'm a very competitive person i like to compete whether it's on the hockey pitch or on the you know volleyball court I like, you know, or in the bodybuilding stage, I like to compete. I like to pit myself against, you know, the best of the best. And I like to see that that challenge makes you stronger. You know, the failures that you have in life, I think, really set you apart from, you know, learning from those mistakes or getting to a point where you, I think, just um, let, let them take over you. So for me, I thought, yeah, there's a little bit of a gap here in the market. Um, I want to focus on this. And I then had a few experiences with, sportsmanship and fair play that weren't quite kosher or for me probably weren't the done thing or you know coming from a sporting background I was a bit like raised a bit of an eyebrow to, to me and I thought actually let's talk about this this is an interesting conversation to have um, and from really that's where the ethos of Vanguard Tactics has really come from is sort of spearheading that element of sportsmanship and fair play whilst helping people improve their confidence to be able to perform at this game um, but whilst enjoying all the benefits of the sort of mental health side that it really brings because it really has been an absolute saviour to me, really. And that was the best £100 I ever spent, which is buying <laughs> the Vanguard Tactics logo and getting started. Yeah. Oh, wow. So I feel like we've skipped over a couple of things that I want to go back and touch on. Uh, one is, how yeah, did you sure. first discover 40K? Where did that come from? So I started playing as a kid. Um, you know, I was probably 12 years old, found the hobby, uh, went to a local gaming club, which were awesome, met some fantastic friends there. But I always felt like I had two groups of friends. You know, I had my Warhammer friends and then I had my, you know, my sport friends. And I always felt like I was really torn between the two in terms of what I could do. And I really felt that pull as a child. And, you know, and I think there was a, there was a bit of a stigma around, you know, what I was doing. And I got bullied a little bit in the rest of it. And, for me, like now, obviously, I couldn't be prouder to play this game. I think it's incredible. But um, so for me, it was started back then. I, you know, as a teenager, and um, you know, I think I probably gave up the hobby when I went to university because of time and money, mm. um, and also not really having a huge amount of people to you know play the game with on a full-time volleyball, uh, you know, twenty-eight hours a week uh, plus matches didn't really allow much else and obviously you got to get some party time in um, <laughs> and pr probably some study um yeah it didn't really allow me much time for you know 40k and then when i 
when I get into my bodybuilding, um, I was doing a lot of cardio, really bored on the cross trainer. And I thought, do you know what? I have a little look on, you know, what apps there are on it. They had a Warhammer Death Watch app, right? And I remember Death Watch being this really cool unit back in the day, which was like metal. And you could get like metal shoulder pads to upgrade one of your units. And I remember that from, you know, fourth or fifth edition, whatever it was. And I thought, oh, I'll check this little game out and on, you know, on my iPhone and played it, loved it. And I was like, oh, I'll have a little cheeky look on the um, Games Workshop site, see what models are about, you know, see how things have changed in, oh, Death Watch have just come out as a brand new army. Oh, okay, I could uh, get on board with that. <laughs> and then, you, as, as you said earlier, if I do something, I go all in. So I'm like, right, where's my nearest local club? How do I start playing? How regularly do I need to play? What do I need to do? How do I need to learn? So, um, yeah, I'm... I don't know if I'm, you mentioned about being talented. I'm not sure that, but yeah, I'd put the hours in, that's for sure. Yeah, so so, so then and now, and the other thing that um, that I'd like to explore a little more, if it's okay with you and tell me if it's not, but uh, you know, that, that time where it all fell over with the fitness business and you've got a hundred quid left and you've moved into your parents' house and there's that that feeling of having you know, put so much into something and it didn't work out. Um, and maybe friends have let you down and a relationship that's let you down. And I don't want to say rock bottom. I don't want to put words in your mouth, but you are at a low point. Yeah. And you mentioned earlier that 40K helped pull you out of that. You said the word saved. So can you tell me about, you know, where you were and then how 40K helped you? Yeah, so... For me, it gave me something to focus on. It gave me a reason to get out of bed in the morning. It gave me, because I still had my clients, luckily, like my, the clients I was working with, and I think at the time I was working with about, you know, between tw- 25 clients, 20 or 35 clients, whatever. Um, they were still mine. I still had to look after them. I loved working with those people, and I, I still work with some now. They still haven't left me. They've still stayed with me this whole time. Um, and... For me, I had my that was my day job. I need to help these people achieve their goals still, regardless of what the wider business side of stuff. That was, you know, obviously, you know, taking a complete dive with this app um, and the software and everything else. But for me, as an individual, I still need to help these people. And um, but the forty k side of things really allowed me to get home and rather than worrying about what people were saying about me on social media or. Uh, who was still my friend and who wasn't. I could just sit and paint my models. I could build something. I could, um, and it really opened myself up to a much tighter, closer friendship group that I was meeting when I was going to tournaments. And, you know, some of my best friends now, like, for example, Jack, um, Jack, who I do, you know, the Vanguard Tactics with, and one of the first guys I ever had on my, you know, on the channel, he's become the best friend. And without meeting him, and going to events together and, you know, whether it's me staying at his, we've, he's been there for me, like through, you know, thick and thin. And for, I would have never built that relationship with like-minded people. So what the community's given me is not just, uh, you know, models to paint and take my mind off things, or it's not just given me a business to now, you know, really enjoy and give me a why and a purpose in life. But what it's given me is, friends which i need most um you know to pull you out of those bad situations to talk to you and help you think critically and most importantly help you find the silver lining because no matter what happens in life i truly believe now that no matter how bad that situation is 
there is a silver lining in there because for me losing £30,000 or whatever it was and, you know, losing that company was the best thing that could ever happen to me. My friends screw me over. I, could, I would literally shake their hand and thank them now because without that, I wouldn't be doing what I do today. Yeah. And when you... And I, wouldn't, I wouldn't want it any different. And it's become a big, I know it's a, like you've talked about it before. I think we've spoken about it before previously. It's just that mental health, you know, it's a big deal for me as well. When I got into the hobby, it's a big deal for you. And it's amazing how many people in the hobby you meet who feel the same way, right? That you've, you must have come across lots of people who've, who've come into 40K or already been in 40K and found that the hobby has helped them through a tough time. Yeah, it, it really has. And I think when you um, can you know, resonate with those people. And when you, you know, when I meet people, whether it's at LBO and they come up to me and say, oh, hey, you know, I uh, watched your live videos you did when we were in lockdown, right? You know, I went live every day for, I think, 100 days it was. Um, and I just, it's just a chat show, really. But, it, you know, getting people to come and talk to you to say, hey, you really helped me through a really difficult time in my life is is so rewarding because I know what it's like. I know the physical, or the, the physical, mental and emotional pain that it's like there to feel like, you know, nobody's your friend anymore or uh, you don't know who you can trust in, um, you know, you, you then doubt other relationships or whether they're going to be the same as, you know, what maybe ones you've been in, you know, before. And I think, yeah, it's, I don't know whether we, as gamers, we have this kind of like, for me, it was, this is always my happy place as a child, as it were. So it's right. kind of reliving that a little bit. Yeah, yeah. Um, and it's maybe our safe place, you know, like I'm just painting this space marine right now. And, you know, it's just there's something about it that, you know, you can get so immersed in it that really takes you away from whatever, you know, might be going on uh, in out, in outside of your life. So it's just that time to sit and I think reflect. And mm. I think that's a, a, a skill not many people actually practice anymore is is reflection and also, you know, being grateful for what you do have. I'm grateful for to be sat here painting models. I mean, what, a, what a, in talking to you, Stephen, so many other things that um, you know, we often don't find ourselves practicing that gratitude enough um, um, yeah. to really help us most. Um, tell me, when you got into, you know, you get back into 40K, you've started in again, you've attached yourself to it, as you said, you go all in, uh, and you've discovered models you like and models you want to paint. And then you go off to tournaments. Are you good at it straight away? Please, God, tell me you got your ass kicked for a little while before you, <laughs> before you started yeah. getting good. Because, you know, I'd like to know that, that at least you're so good at volleyball, you were so good at fitness, you were so good at the bodybuilding, you were so good at, you know, you won titles and all different things. Tell me you got beaten at this a few times. Oh, I've been beaten at everything I've done, honestly. Um, <laughs> the... Like I said, honestly, like I was the shortest volleyball player on court. So the person that had to go to the most training sessions was me. I couldn't lie in. I couldn't skip a session because I was fighting for my place to start because I had, you know, taller, more uh, sort of physical specimens that could take my place if I didn't show up for training every time, if I didn't get my workouts in, if I couldn't increase my jump height. Um, when I was bodybuilding, you know, I'm so small. I was in one of my competitions, I was 10 kilos lighter than the guy next to me. Um, so I've always been the, I suppose, like the runt of the group um, of whatever I've done. And for me, I just have to work, you know, 150%. Because if I don't work that extra bit, if I don't put in those extra hours, 
um, then I'm ne- I was never going to do what I did. Um, and it was a slog. It was hard, but um, it's, you know, it, it teaches you discipline. Yeah. You know, those every, I couldn't miss a workout. I couldn't skip a meal. I couldn't, you know, overeat on my calories. If I, if I'm not the biggest and I better be the leanest, I better pose better than anybody else. So, um, if they're putting in one hour a week of posing practice, I better put in three, I better put in an hour every day. Um, yeah, you, you just have to constantly do more than what the other people around you are doing if you want to be successful. And have you brought that attitude into 40K? Did you, when you first started competing, and you must have been beaten a couple of times, did you think, okay, I need to bring that discipline I had into this game and just learn and focus on it? Yeah. Yeah, you know, sit, I used to take a notebook to every game and, you know, write down what went well, what could have been better. Um, you know, to critically analyze my performance. And then, and, and I think this is really kind of what, um, at the time I felt, I've got a skill of teaching. And if I was teaching myself how to play this game, if I was to set out a journey from A to B, what would it look like and how do I improve? And this really became the the sort of infancy of, you know, what is now the Vanguard Tactics Academy. So, um, yeah, it really was the, I think, the the paving stones to, you know, what that's become now, because at the time there was no course you could study to improve at the game. There was, you could watch a battle report, you could listen to a podcast, you know, but they're all very random topics. You just have to, you know, trawl through what you found useful and then take some bits and apply it. Or maybe they didn't want to, you know, use a certain army you did or something, but there was no methodologies. There was no um, theory around what we would, why we were doing these things. It was very much, well, this is what I've done, but there wasn't any explanation as to why. And that was kind of what I didn't need to really sit down and break down. Why is this happening? And how do I, what was this good? And um, or why was the, why did it work? Why didn't it? What could I have done better? So how long between when you start competing at the game, how long before you figure out, do you know what? I could actually be quite good at this game. And then how long after that do you start coaching other people to be good at the game and thinking, wait, there's a business here? Or did it all kind of happen straight away? Um, so there was, a, I think, a good 18-month period of me playing competitively, going to events, before I started the YouTube channel. And to be honest, the YouTube channel at the beginning stage was just me documenting, you know, my thoughts on the game. It was never meant to be a, um, you know, original, like, coaching service or anything. That was never the intent behind it. I just wanted to explore, you know, these elements of sportsmanship and uh, this sort of player's journey of, you know, where I am right now and where I want to get to. But when I became so immersed in it, it just then evolved very quickly and became rapid and more and more people asking for my help. And I think the way in which I explained that certain things really resonated with people, they found it easy to understand um, and they really sort of to tune in, and then the demand started to be there, in which I thought, okay, well, I think you know, a few months later from starting the YouTube channel, I thought, well, I'm a, you know, I am a good teacher. This is what I've studied my entire life to do is teach, you know, you know, analyze, analyze performance, um, and mentor and coach and tutor. There's all the things that I've done day in day out, you know, for the last or well, since I was 15, I've been coaching. So. Um, it, it came really natural to me. I was just, I wasn't coaching volleyball. I wasn't coaching bodybuilding or whatever. I was just coaching this game. It's, it's based on principles. And once you know that path, it's just a case of understanding how do you help people understand where they are right now and help them take the next step. So regardless of whether they're better than me or worse, performance, I, I think, isn't too crucial. 
um, in order to be a good teacher is more important for what I do now. Yeah, it doesn't hurt that you get some results at tournaments though, right? Because that kind of adds to the cred, I guess. I understand what you're saying, that a great player doesn't necessarily make a great coach, and you see that in sport all the time. But it does it doesn't hurt either that you that you get some good results at tournaments and that you can show, hey, listen, this is what I've been able to do for myself, so therefore I can help you too. Yeah, exactly. And you know, and I think that um it sort of proves maybe the naysayers. Um yeah, I suppose you've got your own testimonial, but I think what's more powerful is um, you know, when you can help others and you talk about their successes because if you can speak from the rafters of, you know, how much I've helped you, that's much more powerful than me just going to a tournament and winning because that is a, um, again, something in which people can resonate with is, okay, this is somebody completely external and they've been able to improve. And again, so that's kind of really what, um, yeah, but obviously, like you said, it doesn't hurt to bring home a few trophies now and again. Yeah, that's right. And, and I think there is a, an affinity for, or people feel, uh, you know, if you can do it and you're a person that, is someone who wants to put in the hard yards. You know, this isn't something that you just fell into and you're naturally gifted at. You kept notebooks and you've identified a process and you've identified a way forward, a step-by-step-by-step kind of thing that you can help people with. So it's not just a matter of I turn up and you say to me, well, I'm a genius, here's what I, here's how I do it, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Not that there's anything wrong with that. I'm not, I'm not criticising other people in the way they coach. But the way you do it, maybe people find easier to latch onto and find a little bit more hope in. And you've brought all of that over from your coaching through your sport. Yeah, absolutely. You've got to find what works for somebody, not what worked for you. Um, you know, and obviously, I think when it, if we compare it to dieting, I've, com- I've tried every diet out there. Um, so that if I meet somebody and they're like, hey, I've tried this in the past, I can, re- you know, I can, I can empathize with them. I can understand what they're going through. I know the limitations and the drawbacks and the success, and I know how, how they'll feel at certain points in time. So, yeah, certainly being able to walk the walk is important because you can truly, you know, empathize with the people that you're working with. I think, you know, that's, that's important. Um, but, yeah, I think the most important thing is helping people unlock their potential and, in, in most importantly, is helping them find out where they are in what their steps are ahead of them in order for them to improve, yeah. In the early days of the videos, uh, I see there's sponsorship on there from Glasshammer Gaming. How did they come on board to support your channel? Well, yeah, so, I mean, I'm still fantastic friends now with Dan and Manny, who obviously run Glasshammer. And at the time, um, I I was at an event, I think it, it was, and they they needed somebody else to because they had just got the streaming um they just got the streaming i think for the wtc so it was their first time doing it and i think both dan and manny were playing um in the event and they needed somebody else to go over and just basically commentate and they met me in an event and obviously we you know we got on really really great and they said look um I, I was asking questions about the WTC and they said, oh, there's this singles event. I said, okay, that sounds cool. And they were like, well, do you want to come? I said, yeah, sure. I'm free that week. You know, I needed uh, this. It literally came at the time I was in talks with my lawyer and solicitors about everything else that was going on. I remember getting up at like um, stupid o'clock in the morning before the WTC to even, or ETC back then it was, yeah. um, to, you know, get work done. But yeah, they just asked me to jump in the car with them, a couple of random blokes. Um, and, uh, yeah, we've just kind of been, you know, great friends 
ever since really so they helped me out with um at the time they obviously they were mainly a streaming and then they sort of got into a shop and then they used to help me you know get some of my models and stuff like that really yeah yeah oh that's so good um and it seems like the videos hit the mark pretty much straight away. I don't know how, how huge it was immediately, but that very first video, or the second video maybe, has got a lot of views. Uh, so, you know, you, you whatever people were looking for, you were kind of, you nailed it right from the start. Yeah, I think the, the biggest one was when I spoke about my opponent and their yellow card, right? This was something in which I think really tackled something I think a lot of people had pain and resentment about at the time. Um, And there wasn't a huge amount being done in terms of um, accountability or players weren't being kept accountable for their actions at at the table. And I remember Games Workshop even called me after that video and uh, we spoke about their player pack and certain other things to help them as well. And they really reached out to me after that video Um, because, yeah, things weren't being done. But ever since, code of conducts have been massively improved um, you know, we've seen bannings, we've seen cards it become more accepted because at the time there's there was a lot of people blatantly cheating, getting away with it event after event with no repercussions. And it creates a lot of a lot of animosity, a lot of sort of hatred for this thing. It, it makes it, it, it becomes like evil. And some of the comments were horrific. And I never named the person because I always said in the video, I'm not going to name the individual. Um, it's not what this is about. I want to talk about this this fact that there's no, um, you know, if you foul me on the hockey pitch, you're going to get a red card. You're going to get sent off. You're a player down. I get a penalty. We probably win the game because I'll still shake your hand at the end. But it was dealt with at the time. But, yeah, that creates a lot of animosity. And I think this is kind of what I shared in this view just then was really um, hit the mark of a lot of people, I think, yeah. It seems like uh, looking at your uh, videos that you did in your fitness business and then uh, bringing that across to the videos that you do in your 40K business, uh, there are a lot of similarities just in the structure and the way it's from the outside, not from the inside. Obviously, you learned a lot of lessons and you put them into play. But from the outside, you know, you doing instructional videos and helping people through and coaching and having a YouTube channel and having a Facebook presence, a lot of there are a lot of similarities, a lot of the stuff that worked before you've brought over into the 40K world. But just for some reason, uh, it seems like this is going better if you just look at the numbers. And I don't want to break it down just to numbers, but... This has hit the mark, and I wonder what it seems to be. Why do you think the 40K success has come for you? I mean, I, f- I think a few things in a, in a way is, one, I'm a lot more um, experienced now in, in business. I was very naive before. Um, I was really, yes, I had a, like a, a vision, I suppose, in the fitness industry, but it wasn't too dissimilar to what anybody else was doing. Right. So for me... I think in 40K, I'm able to stand out a little bit more. There's a like a kind of a unique selling point to, to me, and that's that I've got this kind of I, – I promote fitness and health. I promote, you know, both that uh, mentally, emotionally, and physically. And, um, you know, I've got this emphasis on teaching, not here's the best list or copy mine, here it is, or um, this is what I did. It's, hey, try this principle. It should work for you if you're, you know, this type and how do I, that's kind of a little bit more 
unique, I think, because we've got great battle report channels. There are coaching services. There's fantastic podcasts. But what I wanted with my academy was something really different. It wanted to be professional and instruction instructional. Is that a word? I don't know. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, yeah, that's kind of the way I really wanted it to be. And I think because of that, I've become more passionate about what I'm doing. And I, I've got much more purpose now when I get out of bed in the morning. I put the extra hours in. I'm the first one, you know, in terms of working in the office, as it were. And then the last one working out the door. And I think that's whereas in my fitness business, I was nowhere near as motivated as I am now. So when you increase motivation, you increase discipline, you put more hard work in. Um, and you've got a bit more of a unique angle, then yeah, I, I can see all the reasons why this business has become much more successful than my previous one. Absolutely. Yeah. During the uh, lockdown, and you said 100 days, I, th- I feel like it must have been something like that, 80, 90, 100 days of lockdown. You did a, a Q&A, like live video thing every single day, and it's still up there for people to go and see if they want to. Was that fun? Was it tough? There must have been days where you thought, oh man, I've got to do this again today. I don't, I don't, really, do don't want to do it. <laughs> Yeah, there were times I forgot when I'd like out for a run or something because obviously there's no gyms or whatever that you can go to, and I'm like, oh no, I've got to go live in ten minutes. I better run back real quick. Um, <laughs> yeah, you know, there was times when I wasn't feeling great. There was times when I just couldn't be bothered. Um, but I think it was the messages that I got from people that really, um, and, and, and people shared some really personal things about uh, what it was helping them with whether it was, you know, they're an alcoholic and it really helped them remind them of, you know, some of these things I've been talking about, you know, we've used it. It's just, this discipline um, is so important and being able to find the silver lining in life really helped them. Um, so that's why I kept doing it. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's, and it's, I, I saw these things going out and every now and then would kind of check in and see, you know, just watch them and see how people were doing. And it was amazing to see you do that all the way through lockdown. Uh, I'd love to know the highlights for you so far. And I'm assuming that phase is one of them, but things like meeting Manny and Dan at tournaments, kind of striking up that relationship. Uh, you know, what are your what are your highlights of this whole 40K journey that you've been on? Oh, yeah. Where do I start? There's been so many now. Um, I mean, aside from all the incredible people that, you know, that I've met and become friends with, obviously, um, recently I was in a White Dwarf article with... Um, Lawrence Baker from Tabletop Tactics, that was a massive highlight. Yeah. Being able to play play somebody that I watched um, so many times on Battle Reports when I first got into the game. And to have the opportunity to do a nostalgic Battle Report in White Dwarf magazine uh, with Lawrence was epic. That was an incredible highlight of, um, of everything that, you know, in the last year. Um, now, the recent... LBO, um, when uh, I was I was contacted by Frontline to become their educator uh, for their workshops. That they 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 had an idea. They said, "Oh, Steve, we've got this idea. What do you think?" And I said, "Yeah, let's do a let's do a workshop. Let's make." I've done a couple in the past, and they've gone down well. Let's do a workshop at the LBO, and for that to be a sellout was an absolute. I was gobsmacked that I was travelling all the way to Vegas to do a basically the keynote speaker of the you know 40k Las Las Vegas Open was just outstanding. Yeah. Um, and to then have have people there like the Glacial Geek who was like my hobby hero when I was younger to come to my masterclass, my workshop was yeah, it's completely humbling. So 
there's been a few things, but then, you know, getting my own studio, employing my own members of staff, these are all other, like, highlights to, to really, that you don't often see, but they really are, because it's that next step, you know, I'm, I'm literally about to hire somebody else now or put adverts out for another post within the business, um, and that will be another highlight, and it's, it's that continued growth in reinvestment in the company that uh, they're little small wins, you know, but when you look back, you think, actually, it's come a long way. And it's really exciting and just yeah, truly humbling. There's one that I want to bring up that you didn't mention, uh, which was the Renaissance man, the Renaissance man at the LVO, uh, which is, you know, come on, that's massive. Yeah, that was, um, again, like just completely unexpected. And um, yeah, yeah oh, what an, um, I was speechless. And I mean, I still am really. <laughs> Um, what does it mean, the Renaissance yeah. Man? What did that involve and how did you get it? So um, I was asked, Steve, you're coming to the awards uh, by some of the uh, referees. And I said, oh, I'm not sure. I'm just in, in Vegas walking around. They were like, well, we haven't judged your army on its painting score. And I said, ah, right. Um, I said, okay. And I wasn't really sure what this was referring to. I said, well, I've got some pictures if you need to see my army. So I sent them over some pictures of, I've converted all of my models, all of my custodies to have like really cool heads. And I've done this really cool on my Trajan. And I've now converted the emperor as well to be a dreadnought. Um, and they said, cool. Well, you know, you should probably be, you know, we want to make sure you're here for us later. So make sure you come back and, I was sat there and all of a sudden we get to the Renaissance category, which is like the, the, the obviously this isn't something we have in the UK. So this is completely different to me. We don't even have the hobby track in the UK. Um, we have like best painted competitions. And I thought well, there's no chance I'm winning a best painted because my army's not that good. Um, you know, some of the, uh, the, the, the guy, I can't remember his name, who won best painted, his tower army was unbelievable. So um, at the end, I then get called for the, first place renaissance man and i was like wow this is something i've only ever heard about and it's kind of that embodiment of the entire hobby right so you've got the they want to make sure that the renaissance man i suppose or lady uh, renaissance man lady um will be somebody that represents the hobby both on the table in terms of their performance but then also off the table in terms of how they conduct themselves with sportsmanship and fair play um and then also you know having a good passion for the hobby and everything else that it brings. Yeah, that's pretty cool. And so, you know, you mentioned the white dwarf thing, which I was going to bring up later on, but how how did that opportunity come up? Did, did, did someone like, someone from GW call you and say, hey, come on over, come on over to Nottingham, we want to shoot some stuff, want to do some things? Um, so it came about because uh, both myself and Lawrence are playtesters. Um, so they wanted to do an article on the up-and-coming mission pack. So obviously they needed to use people that already had everything signed off in terms of uh, not talking about you right. know, the mission pack and everything before it came out. So, um, And it was because of, I think, myself and Lawrence's uh, continued work on that, um, you know, like um, as a playtester um, and how much effort and time we put into it and the contribution we make. And they said, look, we really want to, you know, sort of say thanks and this is, one of our ways we can do that. Would you like to do it? And I was like, uh, yes. So, yeah, that's kind of how it came about. Really, yeah. uh, yes, yes, I would like to do that. Thank you. That'd be great, yeah. man. It's just—it seems like it's one of those things where, God, the idea of G Dub calling up and just saying, "Hey, you want to feature in White Dwarf?" You'd be like, uh, "Yes." <laughs> 
fucking great. <laughs> that's Especially, a, yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's a yes for me. Um, and Lawrence <laughs> is a lovely guy too, right? I mean, he's just kind of super fun to hang out with. So that, that must have been a nice aspect of it as well. Had you met him previously? Yeah, so we'd obviously spoken a fair bit. He actually lives quite local to me. So um, I, yeah, I think he uh, his oh, wife yeah. needed the car. So so I, I, I drove us both up there, um, which was great, just sort of hanging out. And then we went out for some food and drinks and everything together. And just, yeah, it was just great overall experience, yeah. <laughs> I love that. His wife needed the car. You kind of imagine, like, because for us, you know, us normal mortals in the 40K world, like you guys are these celebrities, like you're you're big time. We imagine that you live Hollywood lifestyles. So when you say Lawrence's <laughs> wife needed the car and you had to drive him over, that brings it all back down. We're all on the same level here. That's pretty cool. So yeah, absolutely, yeah. And he's moved into your area. You've always been there. He moved into your area. What it must be a couple of years ago now that he uh, yeah exactly yeah yeah he's he's literally uh, half an hour away. I think. So, yeah, very close. That's pretty cool. Well, listen, uh, mate, I th- look, I I think I'm out of questions, but I really appreciate you taking the time to hang out a little bit on Game Changers. Keep up the great work. What are the goals? What is the next thing for Vanguard and for Stephen Box? Uh, so the next thing for the, the Vanguard Tactics, I think, is continuing our workshops that we do uh, with Frontline Gaming. So we've got the uh, Bayer Open coming up. There'll be then Lone Star and then all the other events uh, that we'll be working towards in you know, helping people kind of improve their confidence at the tabletop with those workshops. And they are you know, for anybody to attend that wants to come. Um, so that's, the, you know, I think Vanguard Tactics, our next big project. We've got our academy uh, at the moment, which is just closed its doors for enrollment while we have this intake on the course. Um, so really now the focus is making the content as best as we can make it. Uh, to make sure that we're servicing all the students in the best of that way we can and making sure that they're progressing and learning. And for me, it's just to keep getting up in the morning and doing what I'm doing, I think, yeah. yeah. Just enjoying, enjoying the process. Great. Well, listen, I, I wish you every success. I, I just I love what you've done, and I love how you've done it, and I love what you stand for. Um, and, you know, it's just it's nice to see nice people doing well. So thanks for taking the time and all the best with whatever comes next. Well, and can I add one more highlight? Go on. It's, it's been a game changer. So thanks for having me on. <laughs> well, you are what you are, my friend. You, you, and now it's official. Yeah, exactly. Can I get a certificate? <laughs> That's what I should do. Print certificates. You were a, you, or T-shirts. You were a 40K game changer. <laughs> Hold you to this, mate. Good I on you. <laughs> thanks, Steve. Take care, mate. Thanks so much, mate. Bye-bye. Big thank you to Stephen Box, who, while I was editing this, had another top tournament finish. Go check out the Academy at vanguardtactics.com. All the information is in the show notes to this episode. I really appreciate you taking the time to listen to this as well. Thank you for that. I'll see you next time. Until then, I'm Steve Joel, and this has been 40K Game Changers.